0: Chapter 16 Nefertiti's Palace. A regally dressed woman arrived in Nefertiti's Amarna Palace with a procession of scribes, soldiers, and others who followed her through the brightly colored frescoed walls into the throne room. Sephri has arrived, my queen, Nefertiti's scribe Hori announced as the entourage approached. The throne room was Nefertiti's public chamber where she conducted her own business apart from her husband. Pharaoh Akhenaten. The frescoes surrounding her throne depicted the queen's royal privilege and power. On one group of blocks, Nefertiti wore a tall, straight-edged, flat-topped blue crown as she ritually smote the enemies of Egypt. Another image showed the queen of Egypt wearing the crown of Hathor while spreading her feathered arms of Isis, symbols of sexuality, fertility, and rebirth. The next fresco showed Nefertiti seated next to Akhenaten, while yet another showed the sun god Aten, showering rays of power onto both, suggesting husband and wife remained on an equal footing in the eyes of the new god. The images proclaimed Nefertiti's power over and above the priests of Egypt, and reassured visitors her position with her husband was solid. Nefertiti married the would-be pharaoh when she was fifteen. At the time, he was Amenhotep IV, and reigned with his father, Amenhotep III. The marriage was an unusually strong one, an exception for the period, where marriages of royal dynasty were arranged more along political lines than amorous ones. Nefertiti remained satisfied in the union, birthing six daughters. Although Akhenaten would have plural wives, None of them came close to offering him the solace of Nefertiti's love and strength. Their love showed in the Times' artwork, depicting the couple and their daughters in an unusually naturalistic and individualistic style. The king and his queen seemed to be inseparable in the reliefs, often showing them riding in chariots together, and even kissing in public. How was your trip, Sepri? Nefertiti asked the head priestess of Ishtar's Akhmem temple. "'The insects are horrible, my queen, especially on the river,' Sepri replied. Otherwise, the trip was fine." The priestess from Akhmem paused, looking sorrowfully into Nefertiti's eyes. "'What is it, Sepri?' Nefertiti asked. "'I must apologize, my queen, for not coming to Taye's funeral,' Sepri said, and lowered her head. Taye, Akhenaten's mother, died years earlier. Because of the changes occurring in the priesthood, Sepri continued, I felt it prudent to remain in Ackmin these years. I was sure Akhenaten would banish the gods of Syria and close my temple when he was no longer under his mother's influence. That is why I have not visited you in Amarna. I hope I haven't offended you, Your Majesty. Nefertiti chuckled, shaking her head. Sepri, I understand and am not offended. I am from akhmim as was Queen Taye, and General I, my father. You and I are of the same cloth. The Hyksos are our common Syrian ancestors. We have the blood of horses running through us, and that is how we remain close. The Hyksos were foreigners who invaded Egypt hundreds of years earlier. Using their horses and chariots, they obliterated the Egyptian armies of the time. These bronze-skinned invaders ruled Egypt for 500 years, until Tutmos I, the first ruler of Egypt's 18th dynasty, reconquered Egypt, proclaiming total victory. Egypt was theirs again, because they had expelled the Hyksos. But the Egyptians assimilated the Hyksos' ideas of war and religion during the 500-year invasion, so it was more a case of cultural melding than actual expulsion. The historical lineage of Egyptian royalty was happy to have their country back, no matter the fact they intermixed with significant players of the Hyksos people. Nefertiti came from these Syrian ancestors. Her bust reveals her Mediterranean bronze skin, beneath her crown of the newly reunified Egypt. Have you heard the news about Ishtar, Sepri? Nefertiti asked. That she has come to earth, in Lalish, your majesty? Yes, Nefertiti smiled happily. Is this true? Sepri asked. I have not dared to believe it. It is. Kalia has verified the report. Is this the reason you have sent for me, Queen Nefertiti? Sepri asked uneasily. Nefertiti noticed the reticence. What worries you about this, Sepri? she asked. I am perplexed more than worried, Sepri replied, relaxing into the interview. Lelish is far away. Ishtar coming to earth in a distant kingdom has little to do with Aten. Aten is not as powerful as my husband believes, Nefertiti replied. Times are changing, Sepri. We need divine help, and I want to bring Ishtar to Egypt. Why not bring back Isis or Hathor? They are Egyptian gods equal to Ishtar. Akhenaten gave unto me the strengths of both Isis and Hathor when he outlawed the Amun priesthood. I have no other powerful Egyptian goddesses I can call on. Akhenaten does not yet see it, but he needs Ishtar, Sepri. The Amun priests are angry. Maybe this will quiet them. The priests of Amun loathed the intrusion of the Syrians. As the Amun religion became all powerful, their priests incorporated themselves ever more closely into the ruling dynasties, making the Amun theocracy an exclusionary and elitist religion riddled with corruption and cronyism. Initially, they succeeded, becoming as powerful as the pharaoh. Fearing their hold was a danger to the Hyksos royalty, Akhenaten bided his time until his parents died. Soon after his mother Tayye died, he changed the entire religion of Egypt, kicking out the old gods, along with the corrupt priesthood. "'Why not make peace with the old priests, my queen?' Sepri asked. "'If you bring the Amun religion back into Egyptian life, I can openly and safely practice my religion, our religion. "'My husband has created too many enemies, Sepri, and he does not want someone to undo his reforms.' He cannot bear to see the Amun priests rule Egypt again. You must help me bring Ishtar to Amarna. Perhaps you can ask them to bring her statue in Nineveh to Amarna, on loan. My parents did this when Amenhotep three asked for Ishtar's presence. I have already done as you suggest, Seppri. But the statue never arrived in Gubla. I believe Ishtar's sudden presence on earth is an omen. We must go to the goddess herself. I am sending my father I and Captain Horemheb to Ugarit to strengthen Egypt's support for Nikmadu, the mayor. I have arranged for a stop in Gubla. Father will instruct a Medjay equine squadron to protect you. I haven't ridden a horse since I was a youngster. Why not send me to Ugarit, my queen? I would feel safer with generalized chariots. King Supi Luluyuma has taken Garchemis, and Ugarit is likely their next target. I do not want to send you into a battle, and I would not ask this if I felt it would be unsafe for you. But this mission is of utmost importance to me, and it is only you I trust to do it for me. Sepri nodded. My queen, she said, it is an honor and a privilege to do your bidding. I will prepare for the journey. End of chapter. Thank you for listening. You can follow the story on my blog jeadvm.com. Once on my blog's front page, go to the menu, pick my books, and select Katie Becomes Ishtar. That'll take you to the Ancient Katie series of books. Inconvenient Goddess can be purchased as an old-fashioned paper book, or an e-book, as well as an audio book set or can be downloaded from the audiobook site Spotify. More details are on my website jeadvm.com